claim the spot in history that you're in right now and do what God places on your heart to do in this moment so that that doesn't continue. And that doesn't mean that if you don't have a national platform or something that you can't make a difference. I think the biggest difference is made around the kitchen table. Well, hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. And for part three in our series, Dear White Leaders, I just want to say that on behalf of everyone at Stay Forth Designs, we hope that you are finding these conversations to be very encouraging, very hopeful, very real. Um, they can be very uncomfortable topics to navigate through. But we said before, if you're going to grow and you're going to grow the right way, you have to step outside of your comfort zone. And we know that this is a very uncomfortable topic, which is why we wanted to bring in some influential Black Kingdom leaders to talk to white leaders honestly about what they're feeling, what they're seeing, what we can do to help, what's not helpful, and what we can do to practically move forward together. So take these conversations, sit with them, listen to them once, listen to them twice, share with a friend. One of the great ways to have dialogue and to grow together is to sit together and listen to conversations like these, ask questions, seek out your black brothers and sisters, and really sit under them and learn and grow. That is a goal of leadership. At Stay Forth Designs, we do believe that you can lead healthily for the long haul, that it is possible to lead right side up in this upside down world. And right now, we need to lead together. We need to lock arms, unite, lead together, and grow together. So we've got a great conversation on tap for you today. Alan sits down with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith for a fantastic conversation. Now, Sandra Dalton-Smith, she was on the podcast way back on episode 12. That is a wonderful conversation. So if you haven't listened to that one, or you did, and you're wondering when she was on, well, that's it, episode 12. So when you have a minute, go back, check out that episode, but get ready for a great episode today. And I do want to remind you before we jump in to head over to stayforth.com forward slash field notes. That's stayforth.com forward slash field notes and check out our great resource that we've put together that is growing, that is full of great discussions, movies, and books around the subject of racism and reconciliation that we would recommend everyone check out. And we will link to that in the show notes. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Well, friends, welcome back uh, to this series, Dear White Leaders. And we're hearing from some incredible kingdom leaders. The goal of this, if you're watching this on our Facebook page, if you're listening on Right Side Up Leadership Podcast, is to listen to trusted kingdom voices. And today we get to hear from Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She was on episode 12 of our podcast. Uh, She wrote the book Sacred Rest and Others. And uh, Dr. Smith, thank you so much for being uh, today a voice that can help us learn and listen. Happy to join you. Can you give a little bit of an intro? You do some really fascinating things that connect so much with the heart uh, of Stay Forth Designs. Can you give us just an intro to your vocation? Yes. Well, I'm an internal medicine physician and I've been in practice for about 20 years. About 10 years ago, I started writing and started doing a lot of research just in how the mind, body, and spirit kind of work together. Specifically, went into the area of burnout and burnout recovery. And that's what led to the writing of Sacred Rest and and really all the research and the quiz and everything that, that surrounds the book. Let's start. We want to start with getting personal for you. This has affected everybody so deeply in such a painful time um, in, in this moment. So how has the murder of George Floyd and the reactions that have followed affected you personally? Well, I think my, my 
feelings are like most people. It's it's painful to watch. But I think because I am a, a woman of color and I'm in an interracial relationship, so I have I've always known racism was present. That's not some. I live in the South. I've lived in the South my entire life. Currently live in Alabama. So you know the whole racial issue has been something that's very been a very real part of my life for a long time. I think what has really kind of hit home, particularly for me, is how many people didn't seem to realize it was still a problem, mm. um, or this this is almost like it's surprising to them. Um, that things are how they've been for for years, for decades. Um, you know, there have been changes, there have been improvements in some areas, but there's a lot of areas that that it's really just kind of been ignored or overlooked or covered up. And I think that's what hit me more than anything. And I think that's that's a part of what was so painful um, to just really see how unaware I think people are. Mm, wow. Um... So when a especially public atrocity uh, like this happens, I'm sure that people reach out. You have conversations with people, you know, through text and phone calls and in person. Otherwise, what is helpful for a white friend to say to you during this time? And of course, what is not helpful or even hurtful? Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, what's very helpful is just to be open to listen to not try to fix necessarily, to not try to give answers, to not try to justify, to not try to to make it better with their words, but just to be available to listen and to have a discussion, an open discussion. I think it's really important that those that those discussions be with people that you already have a relationship with, where you have some idea of what their heart posture is towards you. So that's, you know, when something comes out that may be offensive, you know, sometimes your friends don't know what's offensive. You haven't really voiced that or expressed to them how you feel when they say certain things. So I think that's a big part of it, just kind of starting that conversation. I know one of my friends um, on this past Sunday just sent a text, really, that that was just, uh, it was a a one-line text that just said, you know, thinking about you and praying praying on your behalf, because I know that your heart is hurt over this. And for her, and she's a white friend, and for her just to be that aware of where my heart would be in that moment was just very peaceful and comforting. I didn't have to explain anything to her. I didn't have to justify why I felt the way I felt. She's just aware that this had to hurt. And I think that's important to to reach out to people, to let them know that you see them, that you understand that that maybe something that's not hitting your heart as hard as it's hitting theirs, but you care enough about them that you you are injured when their heart's injured. Mm. And what's the opposite of that? What are comments that are not helpful and even hurtful in a time like this? Um, well, one <laughs> something that tends to not be helpful at all is trying to justify someone's death. You know, I, I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, he he broke the law. Um, that's not really helpful right now. (laughs) You know, it would be one thing if this was like an armed robbery and somebody's life was in danger and he had a gun and got shot in the process. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of those things where you're like, well, you know, okay, I can see that. But um, in a situation like this, um, it is not helpful to kind of bring up that type of stuff. It's trying to justify something that just isn't justifiable. And I, I think what that does is it actually puts up more walls and it actually helps to try to bridge bridge the gap or actually help improve anything. 
So everyone watching and listening to this has influence from yeah. our families and friends and social media feeds to literally leading organizations and leaders, especially white leaders trying to process, how do I not say something that's bad or offensive? How do I maybe move us toward something that is helpful? So could you give a few things that would be helpful for white leaders as they both lead themselves and lead their teams and organizations towards something that's helpful and ultimately could bring more equity and even reconciliation in the coming months and years? Yeah, I think one thing that's really helpful, and I've seen a lot of companies start to to address this, is to really take a look at what does your company look like? Is there any is there any evidence of diversity, acceptance, and diversity um, of a diverse culture within your organization? You know, every company is not going to necessarily have every race represented. But if you're a major company and you have, you know, hundreds of employees and, you know, 10, 20 executives and no executives within your organization are people of color. If you're a law firm and there's no partners that are of color with, you know, within your, your organization, you know, those are things you have to pay attention to because the, the question then rises, why? Why is that? I think a lot of us have just these unconscious biases that we really aren't aware of and don't think about. And I think when you are in positions to be able to to elevate people within your company, you really have to be aware of, are there any unconscious biases that I have and am acting on without really being aware of it? And that's affecting what the culture of my organization or my church, for that matter, looks like within your marketing. I've seen some companies where all of their marketing has people that look exactly the same. Now, that marketing message sends a message to people who are looking at that brand to try to you know, collaborate with them or to reach out or even to use their product. And I think that's what, what a lot of companies aren't aware of, even if you know, your current bottom line looks good, what could your lack of diversity be doing to your your bottom line? Could it be better if you took into account that there is other markets that have income and have money that may not be attracted to what you have to offer because you're not showing that you are open to celebrating other cultures? What I hear you saying is you see that immediately. You're looking for what executives on your team, what in your marketing represent someone who looks like me. Yes, I'll give you an example, you know, as a um as a an author, when I'm looking for Christian writing conferences to go to or any kind of writing conference to go to and I'm looking at who's on faculty, who are going to be the people that are going to be standing on the stages and teaching me. I look to see is there diversity. If I go to um, a business conference or a marketing conference, I'm looking to see who are the people that are going to be on the stage. If I look and there's 30 speakers and there's not a single person of color in that lineup, I am not attracted to go to that to that event. It doesn't matter how great it is. It doesn't matter how much information's there because I know what's likely to happen is I'm going to show up and I'm going to be one of a handful because you're, you don't feel welcome just by the marketing of, of the event. Thanks for your honesty on that. That is so helpful in terms of our teams, our marketing, our events, our gatherings. It sends a message. There's a message below the message. So thank you for that. Um, you sent along a few resources 
that you recommend that would be good for white leaders. Can you share a little bit more about those and why they'd be helpful? Yes. Well, the first one is the book by uh, Latasha Morrison. It's called Be the Bridge. I think that is extremely helpful when she has a Facebook group with about 50,000 people in it as well who are actively kind of having these conversations. So it opens the door to let you start thinking about what are the conversations that need to be had within your home first, (laughs) before we even get to the companies within your home, within your churches, and then within your businesses, so that we start having this understanding of, you know, we're not trying to have a culture that's colorblind, as some people say. We want a culture that is color aware, that celebrates the differences, that understands we do have similarities, but that the differences aren't something to be to be covered up as if we don't see, but to be acknowledged and celebrated. And I think that's a very important kind of mindset shift when we think about diversity, is that we we need each other to be different and to celebrate those differences. And then one of the other books is um, newer to me, but I've had a lot of great feedback from friends who've read it called uh, White Aware. And it's really helped. It's it's by, I think his name is Daniel Hill. I may have that incorrect, but um, the name of the book is White Aware. And it, it really talks about just what is white privilege? And I think a lot of people, that term almost feels offensive. So I, I don't have white privilege. And, you know, it's this, I don't have that it's kind of, you know, don't put me on that uh, as having that label. I think what he does a really great job is explaining what that really means, that it's not something to necessarily be ashamed of. You you can't, you know, you're not to blame because of it. It's It just is at what it is because of some intrinsic uh, opportunities that are available and um, things that are available based on being a certain race. And I think he just does a really great job of of explaining that. He's a white pastor that's explaining it. Um, And I think that's very helpful for many people to understand what that means. And I think the best part about that book is it talks about how you can use it to actually be part of the change. Thank you for that. And education is such a big piece of what we need to be doing. I've heard several leaders say that it is not our Black friends or leaders' job to educate us. We need to do the work. And I wholeheartedly agree. Friends, if you are watching this right now, we have a list. You can go to stayforth.com under field notes. We have a list that will continue to update of some videos, some documentaries, movies, books, podcasts you can listen to, and we'll add those resources to that. This is a season we need to do the work, and a lot of us are waking up to things. Like you say, we didn't think it was an issue. This is a time to educate ourselves. So thanks so much for that. Do you have any desires or or maybe prayers, Sandra, that you you hope would come out of this? Yeah. yeah, I love what you just shared about that, um, the mindset of kind of taking the initiative of of learning um, for yourself. I think that's that's a, something I think a lot of people don't understand is the fatigue of being in teacher mode. You know, a lot of people of color are, are tired and you'll hear them, you'll hear us say that we are tired. And a lot of that fatigue is because if, you, if every relationship with someone who's not of a same race is, a, is in a posture of teacher-student, that's an exhausting, that's a constant pulling from the person who already feels drained. 
they already feel like they, they're being kind of taken advantage of or not given the same opportunities and having to do more work. And so having to then have every other relationship still have that, that teacher mode doesn't help build up friendships and that feeling of being a colleague or an equal. And so I think it's very important for people to be aware of that. Does it mean you can't ask questions? No, I think questions are appropriate, but the question needs to come in the form of you have already done some of the work and maybe just need some clarification, you know, and they want to express feelings. That's so so helpful to know. And also that freedom to have someone say, I'm just so tired right now. I can't. I've heard that phrase. You say, I'm tired, not just on social media feeds, but from friends um, who are processing. If I think I'm tired and processing a lot, I can't imagine how tired you are. And oh yeah, we just came off of COVID as well. And we were already tired. So thanks for that. That's really helpful. Are, Are there some prayers or desires that you have for the people of Jesus that we might learn we might grow into after this season? Absolutely. I think my biggest prayer for the body of Christ is to really just think about what the body is. You know, I think as a physician, I'm constantly thinking about how the diversity of the human body and how, you know, you, you know, we talk about where the leg and the arm and all of these different pieces, but, uh, you know, the biochemist in me, when I'm looking at these things under the microscope, you know, the there's so much of the molecular structure that is the same, but yet their functionality is different. And it's that functionality that actually helps them for that part of the body to do what God's designed it to do. And I think just as the body of Christ, we have to get an appreciation of that for our brothers and sisters who aren't like us. Their functionality can't be like us. It has to be different for the body to be whole. And I think we just have to start learning how to appreciate that, how to really start seeing it as to, to function in the way that the body of Christ needs to function in the world, we need as much diversity as possible because who you reach is not who I'm going to reach. We're going to each reach and touch different lives. And it's the uniqueness of our experiences, the uniqueness of everything from where we were raised and who raised us and the circumstances around our upbringings and our, and our education, all of that plays a part in who we are allowed to reach. And I think it's important to really get to get very honest as a church about how diverse we need to be and how that's not something to shy away from, but that's something to actually call into to effect. Mm, yes. Thank you for that. What else would you like to say to white leaders listening and watching? Honestly, just to be open, you know, don't, don't be down on yourself. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where I, I, I don't like for my white friends to apologize for their ancestors. You know, I I understand the heart behind that, but that wasn't you. (laughs) You weren't there. And that apology doesn't kind of undo the damage that's already been done. My preference is to, to kind of claim the spot in history that you're in right now and do what God places on your heart to do in this moment so that that doesn't continue. And that doesn't mean that if you don't have a national platform or something that you can't make a difference. I think the biggest difference is made around the kitchen table. So good. We wanted to bring these conversations out. And I feel like people are calling for conversation again. And it has been so refreshing and encouraging to have conversation. I wish we could be at a table right now. We'll have to settle for Zoom. Uh, But I just want to affirm the fact that you're doing, it seems exactly what you're wired to do 
what you're educated to do. The fact that you've really discovered burnout and fatigue and the need for rest is not only something we're in the leadership space on, but you're in the medical space on how that converges. That's been so encouraging to me to see how you are bringing in, how God has prepared you, educated you, equipped you for this moment. So thank you so much for your work. Again, guys, go listen to episode 12 of Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, you explain you know, your past, how in the world you got into this field. It's fascinating. So thank you for your work. How can people find uh, what you do and even read some of your books? Yes, well, my main website is ichoosemybestlife.com. And then my website where I talk about a lot of my work is at um, drdaltonsmith.com. So just drdaltonsmith.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your work. And thanks for speaking honestly to us today. Guys, our prayer is that we would be listening and learning leaders. We have an opportunity right now in this moment. We want to continue to learn. I encourage you guys, pick up one of these resources. Do the work, spend time on our knees and ask God, how are we supposed to respond to this moment? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Dear White Leaders. Wow. What a fantastic episode. Um, I hope that you have found this installment, part three in our Dear White Leaders series to be thought provoking, to be encouraging and hopeful. Um, There's a lot here. And I loved the way that Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith approached um, the unconscious biases and the, the way that as a people we're naturally inclined to seek out and take part and associate with people who just look and think and act like us. And those ideologies can spill over and whether we're aware of it or not, it will cause us to act and react and think a certain way. Um, and one of the things that I thought of as she was talking with Alan is that the best leadership advice that anyone ever gave me when it comes to growing is that if you really want to make change in your communities in the world to start with yourself by drawing a three foot circle around you and doing the work to make change there and then move with your friends, families, and out into the community. Uh, leadership starts in the home. It starts with the individual and really having conversations just like this around the table is a fantastic way to begin to make ripples that create waves of change far beyond where we are now. And if we really want to lead well for the long haul and lead together for the long haul, now is the time to do the work, to come together, to learn, to not expect others to teach, but to be the teacher, to be proactive instead of reactive. Um, All of these things are encouraging. So we hope you found this conversation fruitful. Um, As always, leave us a rating and review. And don't forget to head over to stayforth.com forward slash field notes. That's stayforth.com forward slash field notes and check out this great list of resources that we've put together to help white leaders, especially in this season. So as always, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast and we will see you on the next episode. Shot, shot, shot. We ain't